where the breakdown happens is with us, us men. <laughs> this is where the breakdown happens in the home. The breakdown happens is when this relationship is not where it should be. And so in order for the home to function, in order for my home to be the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Babylon, I as a husband need to ensure that I am lined up properly under Jesus' authority. It's that simple. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for February 18th, 2018. Today, Pastor Olu brings a message called World Engines. Daniel is my home in Babylon. I have to make sure that I am lined up, that my thoughts, my actions, my decisions, my leadership are all under the viewpoint of the authority of God. And that's what I need to make sure is constantly happening. I can't take a day off. I can't take a week off. I can't take a second off. I have to constantly make sure that I am lined up under God's authority. I do that by bringing God's point of view into the situation. Pastor Olu says that the husband's responsibility in the home is to ask God for wisdom, listen to God, lead according to God's word, and follow God by representing and obeying what God's word instructs us to do. Now he'll be reading from the book of Daniel, so grab your Bibles and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. Last week we were looking at Daniel and the dream, and how Daniel approached Nebuchadnezzar with the dream, and we were focusing on the fact of how he approached him, how he brought God quickly into the conversation. We also looked at what the dream was and uh, some of the aspects of the dream. The main thing we want to focus on today, we're going to, just a continuation of where we were last week, uh, is look at Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. The days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break the pieces of all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw the stone was cut from the mountain by no human hand, and that it broke the pieces of iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be done after this. And so the main focus of this dream was to let Nebuchadnezzar, the Israelites, and everyone know that there was going to be this kingdom that was going to come, it will be a kingdom from heaven, it will be a kingdom of God, and it will take over everything. The kingdom of God would rule. And so we looked at Psalms 103.19 last week. It said, the Lord has established his throne in the heaven, and he established or he's built his kingdom to rule over all. And so when we look at it, we talked about the kingdom of God and how that the kingdom of God, no matter what goes on in society today, no matter what goes on, what we see in history, no matter what we see in government, in real life, no matter what incidents happen, the scripture tells us that God is in control and that his kingdom will forever rule and his kingdom will forever stand. But in the meantime, the dream told us is that at the end of all this, God's kingdom was to come, it's going to destroy the kingdom of man, and was going to build this mountain and it's going to take over everything. In the meantime, though, the question is, how do we live? And that's what we've been looking at, Daniel. How do we live? How do we function in the current culture that we're in? When we talk about the culture, there's a couple of words that stand out when we talk about the culture. There's beliefs, values, customs, and behaviors. So when we talk about a culture, okay, so the question is, what do we mean by that? How does the culture function? When we look at the word beliefs, and so beliefs has to do with a state of mind which a person thinks about something. A state of mind when you think something is the case, and so there's a belief. I think, I have a state of mind that this is the case, this is the situation. And so when we look at that, the culture defined, is defined as a system of shared beliefs, values, customs, behaviors 
that the members of society use to deal with their world and to deal with one another. And so how does society deal with the world, the things they see, shooting that happened last week, stuff that's going on in the White House, the implications and the uh, indictments that are coming out? How does culture, how do people deal with those things, financial issues, family issues? How do people deal with that? And then how do people deal with one another? That is what the culture is. And so when we talk about beliefs, that's that state of mind. And so when we look at in the world system, the world system, the belief mindset is, as we've seen, uh, it's this idea, it's a, it's a fancy word called relativism. Relativism has to do with everything is relative, meaning that the idea is that truth is not absolute. So when we say absolute, it means that there is something that's a standard that stands still, that is firm. And so what the belief of our culture, our current Babylonian culture, is that there is no absolute truth. There isn't something that's, up. Oh, that's true, that's forever true, that will always be true. And so I don't know if you heard this phrase, but this phrase that has come out has been one that makes my teeth itch. That's the phrase I use when this, you know how somebody take their fingernails and scrape it on this chalkboard? That annoying? This phrase, find your own truth. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah. Or, or speak your truth. Make sure you speak your truth. Oh, I'm just speaking my truth. We should, we should be able to speak your truth. So speak your truth. There's no your truth. There's no, there's no, well, this is my truth and you have your truth. And together we should be able to live together because we all have our own different truths. No. Truth is truth. One plus one is two. That's what one plus one is. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care whether you like it. I don't care if you want it to be something else. That is a truth. That is an absolute and so the belief system of the world is such that, hey, there's some type of relativism or there's a situation where truth is not absolute. We talk about values. Values are things that people care about, what matters to people. That's what a value is, something you care about or what matters to you. Basically, a value is where we decide what's right or wrong. And so your values, we talk about society, what are the values? What is the values? What is important to our culture? Well, in our culture, Babylon, where we live today, outside of God, the value is a me first mentality. It's all about me first. I don't care. Make sure I get mine. Everybody want to get yours. Everybody want to get mine. I have to look out for myself. There's no one going to look out for you but you. So make sure you look out for yourself. Sounds cool. Yeah, I should look out for myself. But the mentality is that whenever it comes to that I look at myself above other people, that goes against the culture of what God says. And we'll get to that a little later. So we got beliefs, we got values, we have customs. Custom is like the usual way of doing things. Everybody's accustomed. You heard the term accustomed to doing that. That's just the way things are done. In our system that we live in, one thing that comes to mind to me is materialism. I got to get the newest, the bestest, the fastest, the one that just came out. Oh, what? He just got one? I got to get one, too. Oh, they just did that? Well, I got to do that too. Well, I can't be behind. You heard the phrase, keep up with the Joneses, all these ideas. This is an idea of what the custom of the United States is, or the custom of our Babylonian kingdom is to stay up with other people. And then we have behavior. So behaviors is the way in which you conduct yourself. And so how do I conduct myself? And so you think about the culture. You think about the world system. How does the world system conduct itself? What are its behaviors? One of the things is, you heard this a lot, and I don't want to go to Star Wars and make Star Wars seem bad, because Star Wars is not bad, it's good. But trust your feelings. 
in our society, in our culture, you hear a lot about your feelings. You know, well, I just feel like doing this. Well, do what you feel. If it feels good, do it. That was back in my, no, not my day. It's like the 70s or 60s. If it feels good, I guess my day is kind of the 70s. If it feels good, do it. And so the mentality is that. If it feels good, as long as I don't hurt nobody else, I feel good, I'm going to do it. And so that's kind of like the behavior of the culture that we live in. Belief, values, customs, and behavior. Jesus said, the Bible said, God told Nebuchadnezzar that there was going to be a kingdom. And as this kingdom would come, this kingdom would take over all other kingdoms. And as this kingdom took over all of the kingdoms, then the culture of this God's kingdom would be established forever. And so the question is, as I look at the kingdom of Babylon, as I look at the world system, their beliefs, their values, their customs, their behavior, what they think is right, what they believe in, what they feel is important, what they always do, and how they behave, the question is, at the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, because that's what we're talking about, we want to make sure that we are representing the kingdom of God here on this earth. That's what we talk about when we talk about being a world engine. That's what we talk about as we read Daniel. We want to make sure that we represent the kingdom of God. And so the question then becomes for us, if we look at this on a practical situation, is, okay, I know what the world system believes, what the world believes. What is my responsibility when it comes to belief being in the kingdom of God? That's the question. And so how do I get my beliefs? Well, what is the state of mind when I think something is to be the case? Well, in the kingdom of God, we get our belief system strictly from the word of God. How do I believe? What do I think is the case? Well, I see what God says about the matter. And whatever God says about the matter, then that is the case. That is what I believe. Okay, so I don't have my own opinions about these different things. I see what God says. So when it comes to um, finances, what does God say? Well, that's what I believe, and that's what I'm going to do. When it comes to marriage, what does God say? When it comes to relationships, what does God say? When it comes to dealing with people, what does God say? I get my beliefs from the word of God. Then it gets my values. What does the word of God tell me I should care about? Those are the things that I need to look at. My customs, what are those things that I should usually be doing? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering yourselves together. So one of the customs in the kingdom of God is to go to church. It's one of the customs. That should be a custom. That should be something that I do. And the thing about customs, customs get passed down from what to what? Generation to generation to generation. That's how customs go. And so it's my responsibility in the kingdom of God that my children see that Sunday is the day we go to church. Last week, Layla had a softball tournament. And the coach was like, she's going to go with Sunday because he knows we go to church. I said, yeah, just as long as it's not between these times. He said, well, I'm going to try to make sure I get him in the afternoon so you be there. I was like, cool. And then he called us Thursday. He's like, yo, the games are 9 and noon. I said, okay, well, she'll be at the 9 o'clock game. She won't be at the noon game. And she was not too excited about that. But I'm not to, oh, Lou's the greatest. So it's not that. It's to say that I want to make sure that she establishes, she understands that we go to church on Sunday. Now, there's been a time with Jaden and with, Le- with Janiah also that, okay, we'll go to an early service. Like in real life, we'll go to early services in another church, and then you can go to your game. It was just in this case, she had a game at 9, so we couldn't go to an early service because there wasn't a 6 o'clock 
a five o'clock service that she, she could have went to. Somebody had a five o'clock service, but we, we didn't know of one. But the idea is that they're custom, and so I want to show my children, this is what we do. So they understand, it becomes accustomed to them, they look for it, they understand this is going to be happening, and then their children, and then their children, and then their children, because that's what God told us to do. He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That wasn't just so it could be a bunch of people running around the earth. The reason God told them to do that, because God made Adam and Eve in his image. And what God wanted was his image to be multiplied across the earth. And so as Adam all the way down to Olu was made in God's image, and I'm supposed to represent God's kingdom, and my responsibility is to transfer God's kingdom and his image to my children so that when Olu's gone, God's image and his customs and his kingdom and his beliefs and his values and behaviors continue to go on and on and on. That's my responsibility. And so when we talk about the culture, it's those patterns of human activity. What are those patterns? That's a good word. What are those patterns that keep going? And I need to make sure that my patterns of activity match the kingdom that I represent. That's what it's about. And so when I look at my life, when I look at my patterns, what do I do? What, is my, what are my habits? Do my activities, do my behaviors, do my customs, do my values, and do my belief system, do I have a pattern of all these things representing the kingdom of God? And that's our responsibility as the body of Christ. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not about coming to church, period. It's not about singing a song, period. It's not about just reading your Bible, period. It's about ensuring that the culture that I represent and the culture that I live in, my beliefs, values, customs, behaviors, are all a pattern that represents the kingdom of God. That's what Daniel did. That's why Daniel, we talked about it, he resolved. They say, I will not eat the king's meat. Why? Because the custom and the values and the beliefs and the behaviors that he dealt with had to do with the kingdom of God, not of Babylon. And so he said, I will not do that. Why? Because I belong to another kingdom. And so the patterns of my activities have to represent that kingdom. Not because his mama's daddy was there, because his mama's daddy was dead. Nebuchadnezzar killed him. Not because his grandma was around. Not because he could have got in trouble, because he wasn't in trouble. Matter of fact, they wanted him to do that. He made that decision based on his kingdom and where he was. And so that is our responsibility. And so we talked about it, the kingdom of God. How I need to make sure that the kingdom of God is, and remember the definition of kingdom of God. The definition of kingdom of God is where God's will reigns. That's what the kingdom of God is. We talked about it last week. Thy will on earth, let thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So in heaven, God's will, what God wants to happen, God's desires, when he says it, it happens perfectly and instantly. And so the kingdom of God is places where God's will acts perfectly and instantly. And so the question is, that we left off last week is, is your life a representation of the kingdom of God? Meaning, does God's will for every aspect of Olu's life reign? That is what I, my responsibility is to look at. And so to, in order to know the kingdom of God, I must know what God's will is. And so we find out what God's will is for every aspect of my life. And then I operate in his will for every aspect of my life. And so when I look at Olu's life, what's God's will for my life? We talked about it a long time ago. The Great commission and great commandment. Great commandment is that I love God with all my heart, my mind and my soul. By loving God, that means I'm obedient to him. So God's will for Olu is to be obedient to God. 
And so for Olu to live in God's kingdom in his life, that means Olu has to be obedient to God in his life. So when Olu is obedient to God, then I am representing I have the kingdom of God in my life. When Olu is disobedient to God, then Olu is representing the kingdom of Babylon. It's just that simple. And so Olu's life is now the life of the Babylonians when I am not obedient to God. And so I must understand that. The Great Commission says it's my responsibility to be a world engine. I'm supposed to go out into the world and make disciples. I'm about to go out to the world and be God's hands, his feet, his mouth, his ears. When I do that, then Olu is representing the kingdom of God, and Olu has the kingdom of God in his life. When I do not do that, when I let opportunities slip, when I'm a little scared, when I'm shy, when I'm like, ugh, I don't want to make this uncomfortable. When I do those things, I am operating in the kingdom of Babylon. And I'm not operating in the kingdom of God. Today's message is, that was the intro, is my home in Babylon? That's the question. Where is my home? Is my home in Babylon? And so we looked at, we started, kind of started last week, is the kingdom of God in my home? In order for me to understand is the kingdom of God is in my home, because that's what I want to be. I want to make sure that my beliefs, values, customs, behaviors the patterns that go on in my house, in my home, in my family, are represented in the kingdom of God. So in order to do that, I have to see, okay, what is the will of God for my family? And once I find out what the will of God is for my family, then I am obedient to that. I make sure that God's will gets put up on a pedestal, put up on a flagpost. Uh, the will of God is here. This is what we're doing in my house. And so the question is, what is the will of God? Quickly turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11:3. Paul is talking and Paul says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. So when it comes to the Bible, and it's all consistent in Scripture. In the home, there is a will of God, how God says he wants the home to run. And in running of that, it's laid out here that there is a biblical hierarchy or an alignment according to the home. And the alignment, the hierarchy, according to the home, as written by Scripture, is God the Father, God the Son, husband, wife, and children, and no dogs. You notice the Bible doesn't say that there is a dog in the family. Amen. Uh, <laughs> we talk about hierarchy, we're talking simply about alignment. So a hierarchy or alignment defines function, not value. And so we're talking about the function, not value. And so when we say that, when we talk about function, the scripture is talking about the idea that how is the order set up? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, as you turn there, the Bible tells us that we are all equal in Christ. We're all equal as far as our value or how God looks at us, as far as where God puts us together. Verse 28 says, there is neither Jew or Greek, there's either slave or free. There's no male, no female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't have a scale. All right, I'll put them a little bit higher than this just because I like them more. There's no scale. The Bible says that we're all equal. And so when we look at value, the Bible tells us that all of us have the same value in Christ Jesus. But when we look at the alignment in the home, it has to be that hierarchy is there and it has to do with functions. The function has to do with how you operate. There has to be order when you operate. As a matter of fact, the word there is alignment. In the home, there has to be some sort of alignment. When we talk about alignment, alignment simply means proper 
or correct position. That's all it means. You think about your car. When I drive my car, if you let go of your steering wheel, you probably shouldn't do it in the interstate, but if you let go of your steering wheel, what do your car do? You keep your hands close to it. What's supposed to happen is you let go of your steering wheel, your car is still supposed to go straight. That means your tires are aligned. If you let go of your steering wheel and your car begins to drift to the right or to your left, that means your car is not aligned. That means there's something alignment off. When things are out of alignment, you begin to veer off the way. When your body is not aligned, I did the, the gym we go to, they have this thing that you do where you get on this uh, little thing and it takes a 360 image of you. And so it spins, yeah, you, <laughs> it spins around. And the guy, he was like, get as comfortable as you want. I said, well, I want to see what I'm working with. You know, because I want to make sure I know what I need to work on. You know what I'm saying? Man, I took that thing, it went to my email, I opened that thing up, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it was frightening what I saw. <laughs> All right? But it took an image of my body in 360, and you hit it, and that thing just spins around. You look at the screen like, oh, wow. Like, there's a, there's a lot of areas that need to be worked, need work. But the point is, it shows you how you stand. And so it had an alignment thing and said, this is where your neck and your spine is supposed to be. This is where your shoulder is supposed to be. And when I looked at it, I noticed that I am not aligned. I kind of lean forward a little bit in my natural stance. My neck kind of leans forward a little bit. My shoulders, I tilt, my whole body tilts a little to the left. And I was like, wow, you know, this, I, my body is out of alignment. And that contributes to different things, back pains, lower back pains, knee pains, calf pains, all that attributes to different things. Why? Because when you're out of alignment, that's not a good thing. And so the proper positioning, alignment, that doesn't work for your body or for your car. There's an alignment in the home that the Bible says there should be. There has to be order because if there is no order, alignment must exist because without that, then it's chaos. Think about Paola. Paola's right now probably screamed at by a drill sergeant. Now, Paola, who is a private in the military, is no less important to God than the drill sergeant. Matter of fact, the drill sergeant is not a better person or, or a better quality person than Paola. They are equals. But in the military, there is an order. When it comes to the function, Paola is a private and the drill sergeant is a sergeant. And so in order for them to function correctly, the army, there has to be order and alignment. And so there has to be a drill sergeant who is over the privates. Does that make sense that she, he's better than her? No. That means that he looks better than her? No. That means that he's smarter than her? That God loves her more? No. But there has to be order in order for things to function properly. On a football field, on a basketball court, you have players, and you have referees. Are the referees more athletic than the players? That's ridiculous. Are the referees make more money than the players? Of course not. Are the referees better than the players? No. But on that court, there is an alignment. The alignment is that the referees are over, functionally over, their position is over the players. And so they govern the game, and then when they say stop, stop, the players have to stop. And when they say, oh, you hit him too hard, you shouldn't have done that, you can sit there and complain all you want to, but they are the authority, not because they're better, stronger, faster, more athletic, more paid, look better. No, because of order. And so when we look in the home, it's the exact same thing. When God created us in Genesis chapter 2, he said he made us in his image. And Faria talked about that a little bit. When we look at the image of God, God is three in one. And so God, there are three persons in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but they are one person. And so when God created man and woman and he said, now 
I have made you, blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh, two shall now become one. When we look at that, the marriage is a reflection of what we see in the Trinity. There are two, husband and wife, have become one. And that's why Paul says, look, when you look at this thing, this is a proper alignment. Notice with this alignment up here. This is perfection. This alignment is perfect. God the Father and Jesus. We know that they are equal. They are both God. Jesus isn't any less God than the Father. But the Bible talks about that as far as their function is concerned, as far as their alignment is concerned, Jesus is subservient to the Father. Turn with me to Philippians. That's one book over from where you are. Philippians chapter 2, great verse. And talks about how Jesus submitted himself to the Father. To submit means to voluntarily place yourself under the authority of another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I mean, he didn't think to be equal with God was something to hold on to. I got to hold on to this. We the same, God. We the same. So I just, no. Jesus said, you know what? I don't have to hold on to that. But emptied himself and taken on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself. So he said, you know what? I am going to be subservient to God the Father in my function. And Paul said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus meaning I should allow myself to do that also. And so when we look at that, there is an alignment that we are to be under in the home. Why? Because I want to ensure that God's will reigns in my home. Why? Because I want to make sure that my home represents the kingdom of God. And so when we look at that, we got the husbands. And we talked about, the part about the husbands is that I need to make sure, because this one is perfect. Jesus is perfectly aligned unto God. No question, God the Father, no question about that. And so as a husband, as a husband, my responsibility is to ask, ask for wisdom, ask for guidance, ask for discernment, ask for help. I have to constantly as a husband pray those things. Why? Because God is holding me responsible for his kingdom in my home. So that's the thing about being a husband. We are responsible. You heard the phrase, the buck stops here? That's where it stops. God's not going to come and ask Janiah, hey, was the kingdom of God in your home? Oh, I tell you, now you slipped up. No, he's going to come to me. Why? Because I'm the husband. And this is my responsibility. And so I need to pray and have a custom and a behavior of prayer to God, ensuring that I know what his will is in every aspect of my life. What is his will for my finances? What is his will for our decisions about Anything we have to make. What is his will about what our children is going to do? What is his will about what job I'm going to take? What is his will about whether my wife works home or works outside of the home? What is his will about whether we spend the money on here or we move it over there? What is his will about whether I let our kids do this or whether I let our kids do that? That is my responsibility as a husband to seek the face of God. Why? Because in biblical home, in order for the kingdom to rule, this has to reign This structure has to be in place. And so I have to get on my knees every day and ask God those things. I need to listen. Not only do I ask, have to ask God, but I have to listen. That means that I have to be in his word. There should be a custom of habitual pattern of activity of me always listening to God in his word so I can understand what his will is so that his will reigns 
in my home and the kingdom of God is in my home. That's my responsibility as a husband because it's serious. Because if the kingdom of God is not in my home, that means my home is in Babylon. And in Babylon, there is chaos. And so I have to ensure that I do that. And then I have to not only ask, not only listen, but God has set us as husbands as the leader of the home, period, point blank. That's it. No if, ands, or but about it in Scripture. So it doesn't matter if sometimes I don't want to lead. Because I'm, I'm be honest with you, sometimes leading is hard. And sometimes it's easy to be like, you know what, she want to do this? Just let her do this. Save me a lot of things. <laughs> or, you know, I'm just, I just want to, ah, I don't want to be the responsible for this. So I'm going to just take this play off. But God doesn't look at it like that. He looks at me as the leader of the home. And so it's my responsibility to ask to be in his face 24-7. What is your will, God? Because I want to make sure that my home is representing your hierarchy and representing your kingdom. Listen, what does your word say, God? Because I need to represent, make sure that I'm listening to what you want me to do and then lead. I have to make sure as a husband, we as husbands need to lead. And that lead is simple. Because to lead my family simply means that I am following his direction. That's it. <laughs> I don't have to come up with a masterful plan. I don't have to sit down and draw charts and no. My responsibility is to fall under the overarching authority of Jesus Christ. And when I do that, my leading simply becomes following Jesus. And so if Jesus is going that way, I'll... this is hard. This is a hard decision. What am I supposed to do? If I make this decision, this could happen. If I make this decision, that could happen. I don't know what in the world to do. This is so confusing. What should I do? Oh, wait a minute. Jesus is going that way. Oh, well, let me follow him. And Melissa, Jaden, Janiah, Layla, fo follow me as I follow Christ. That's what leading as a husband means. And so in order to do that, in order to lead, I have to follow. So if I am not following, that means I am not leading. If I'm not listening, that means I am not leading. If I am not asking, I am not leading. And so as a responsibility as a husband, I have to develop that custom of behaviors and that pattern of activity of asking God, listening God, leading my family by following so that God's will reigns in my home. And I hope my home represents the kingdom of God instead of Babylon. If I do not, I'm talking to Olu now, and this message, Olu had a lot of bruises on his toes as I was reading this and I was studying for this because the responsibility is upon me for my family. And the Bible says that if I do not have a habitual, that means it's a habit. That means it's something that you will find me doing all the time. If I do not have a habitual biblical prayer life, if that's not what Olu Bolden has, then I am not aligning my thoughts under the overarching authority of Jesus Christ. And if that happened, that means that I am not operating under the lordship of Christ. And if I'm not operating on the Lordship of Christ, that means that I am not in alignment with Christ, which means I am outside of biblical hierarchy of the family. And if I am outside the biblical hierarchy that God set up, that means that my home is not operating in the kingdom of God, but is operating in the kingdom of Babylon. If I do not have a habitual reading of the word of God, 
Well, I am going and opening the word of God and say, God, I need to follow you so that my family will make sure that we are following you. I need to lead my family. So if I am not habitually in the word of God, that means that I am not aligning my thoughts under the viewpoint of God. That means I'm not under the authority of God. That means that I'm outside of the hierarchy that God set up for the family. That means I am outside of God's will. That means I am not operating in the kingdom of God. I'm operating in my family is the kingdom of Babylon. And if I am not leading my family in all aspects, that means that I am not under the hierarchy of God, overarching authority of Jesus Christ. I am outside the hierarchy of how God set the family to be. I am outside of God's will. That means that my family is not operating in the kingdom of God, but that my family is operating in the kingdom of Babylon. My responsibility is to reflect the functional relationship of Jesus and the Father. That's what that reflection is. And so when it comes to wives, what's my responsibility? We'll turn back one book to Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, as the husband, Ephesians 5, 25, says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or in any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. And so husbands, I know what this relationship is supposed to be. I'm supposed to ask, listen, and lead and follow up under God's authority. But how my responsibility here is, the Bible makes it clear. He said that I am to love, nourish, and cherish my wife. So, because love is a word that we throw around so much. I love my shoes. I loved the Black Panther movie. I love my wife. In America, in the English language is messed up in that fact that you can have one word for love and it means so many different things. And so when I talk about love, we're talking about biblical love. Let's use 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So when I, instead of saying love, I'm going to say what the Bible says love is, patience. And so when the Bible tells me that my responsibility to my wife, how I'm supposed to deal with my wife is to love her, that means I am supposed to be patient with my wife. I'm supposed to be kind with my wife. I'm not supposed to be envious of my wife. I'm not supposed to be boastful to my wife. I'm not supposed to be arrogant to my wife. I'm not supposed to be rude to my wife. I'm not supposed to be prideful to my wife. I'm not supposed to be quick-tempered to my wife. I'm not supposed to be resentful to my wife. My responsibility is to bear all things that my wife does. Bear it. My responsibility is to endure all things that my wife does. Endure it. That means that I am falling under the hierarchy of God. I am doing the will of God. It reigns in my home and it's the kingdom of God. I jacked up on this one last week. I won't get into detail, but an incident happened, and I immediately ignored the issue and went straight to something that was irritating me about what she did or she said. And it blocked out everything else that was going on. And I wanted to focus on what she said that was irritating to me. I quickly got irritated. That goes against what love is because the Bible says that love bears all things and endures all things. So as a husband, I was supposed to. I'm screaming because I'm talking to me. I'm sorry. As a husband, it was my responsibility to bear that 
to endure that, to be patient with that, even though I thought that I was being violated, I was being wrong, and I was being looked in the wrong way, I was supposed to endure that, bear that, be patient toward that. Why? Because Paul tells me, in order for me to make sure that God's kingdom is in my home and God will reign, that I have to love my wife. And love means that I have to endure, bear, patience. That's what the Bible says. That's what I'm supposed to do because Paul said, hey, I have to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm supposed to, the love for my wife is supposed to be purposeful. Paul says, I'm to nourish my wife. To nourish means to create an environment that promotes physical health, emotional health, and spiritual maturity. So as a husband, my responsibility is to create environments so that my wife grows spiritually, grows physically. And so the question is that I have to ask myself, is my wife growing? If my wife growing spiritually? If my wife growing spiritually? If she's growing physically? Why? Because that's my responsibility, how God set it up. And so I have to ensure that I am creating an environment so that she may nourish, so she may flourish and grow. The Bible says that I'm supposed to cherish her. We read that. Cherish means to hold dear, to show affection for, to protect, to care for, to support. The word has to do with to place on a pedestal. In order to make sure that my house is the kingdom of God and that God's will reign, and in order that I make sure that I am aligned up under the hierarchy as God set up the home to be, I need to make sure that my wife is on the pedestal. And she knows she's on the pedestal. She feels like she's on this pedestal. And so the question is, am I creating that environment as a husband that my wife feels cherished, that she feels most special person on the planet Earth? The Bible says that for this thing to work, that my love for her has to be sacrificial. The Bible says, as Christ loved her, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That means that my love for my wife should be sacrificial. That means that I am dying for my wife. Have I died for my wife today? What that means is that it's my responsibility to sacrifice all. I want to do this. That means nothing. Die to that. I want to go in this direction. Die to that. I have my own desires. Die to that. I have a right to die to that. My family wants to, oh, you gave that up a long time ago. Your mama, your daddy, your sister, your brother, your grandma, your granddaddy. Oh, no, you, 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 you gave that up. That's, that's Genesis chapter 2. <laughs> you, that, that's gone. I need to sacrifice for my wife. My responsibility is to die to myself in order to do what is best for those that are under my authority. My wife is under my authority. My children are under my authority. And so my will, my wishes, my desire. Hey, I had a lot of dreams. I don't want to sidetrack here. I was going to be one of the greatest rappers on the planet Earth. Okay? I, I had some dreams, man. I was going to take over the world. You know? But somebody's got to work on their left foot scoring on goals. It's not going to happen by itself. And so when I get off work, I have to go out, we get a soccer ball, we get some cones, and we go out there and work on the left foot. Somebody got to know how they're supposed to act in different situations. And so I got to get him to follow me. Yesterday we had a situation, he asked me, Dad, why can I do that? And I had to break it down to him. I said, the reason you can do that, Jason, is because of this, 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 and this, and this. Why? Because it's my responsibility to show him so that when I leave, he understands, oh, okay, that's how I'm supposed to act. That's how I'm supposed to react. And so I have to give up on myself. I was driving, I'm driving a Camry, a family car. (laughs) 
I want to drive a motorcycle. That's what I want. I want to have a motorcycle. I was looking at a truck the other day. I said, yo, I need to get this truck. It'll work for DJ Mighty O. I can take my stuff in the truck. But right now, I have to die to myself. And those are some frivolous things. But the concept is the same. My responsibility is to give up all of those things. Why? Because of the fact that... Uh, <laughs> Because of the fact that my responsibility is for those who are under me to be nourished and to flourish. I'm laughing because sometimes I have to wear cheap clothes or cheap shoes or the heel of my shoe just fall off in the middle of a message. <laughs> because of that, I need to make sure that my family has some good shoes on. Now look at that boy, he got on Jordans. <laughs> this boy's walking around with Jordans and my heel just fell off. You see what I'm talking about? It's about sacrificing. <laughs> Okie dokie. That's my responsibility. God operates with me as the head of the family. That's how God operates. Husbands, we and only we are held and responsible. We are held. God holds me responsible. He holds me responsible for the spiritual growth of my family. He holds us responsible for financial support of the family. That does not mean that the wife can't work outside the home. That just means that God holds me responsible for that. He's not looking at her and be like, hey, what's going on with these finances? No, he's looking at me. Okay, so I need to make sure that those are in line. God looks at me for the raising of the children. You don't see in the Bible where it says it's the wife's responsibility to raise the children. That's not, that's not in the Bible. That's how we're accustomed that we put. They ain't go to work. Wife watch the kid. No. The Bible, holds, Bible says that God holds Ola responsible for how Jaden, Janiah, and Layla turn out. So it's my responsibility. Is it a shared thing? Sure. We'll get to that when we get to wives. But the buck stops with Olu on the raising of our children, on the discipline of our children. It is my responsibility to make sure that my children are disciplined. It's not my wife's responsibility. It's mine. Why? Because God put me here. That don't mean I'm better than my wife. That don't mean she can't handle it. That means she's not good enough. Well, my wife is better than me than at least 99.9% of the things that I do. No question about that. But what we're talking about here is hierarchy. We're talking about order, alignment, proper positioning, how God looks at it so that his will is done. And in order for that to happen, he says, Olu, you are responsible for the discipline of your children, the raising of your children. You are responsible also for the teaching of my children. That's what the Bible says. It is my responsibility that they get the knowledge and education that they need to move forward. Not the state's responsibility, not my wife's responsibility. It is mine. Why? Because that's how God is looking at it. God. And so I have to make sure that things are in place. I have to make sure. So I just said that my wife, she does most of the homeschooling. But that doesn't mean that my hands off. You know what? I just gave it to her, so I'm done. La, 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 la. I don't know nothing. No. I'm supposed to be involved in that. I'm supposed to be make sure that that's going how it should go. The general, I know, is not going to go to Paola and ask her, hey, the mission didn't go right, Paola. What went wrong? No. The general is going to the sergeant, to the lieutenants, to the captains. Why? Because that's just how the hierarchy is set up. My responsibility for the choices and decisions that goes on in my home. Husbands, it is our responsibility, and it's our responsibility to lead, so lead. Let's not be passive. Let's not be lazy. Well, she wants to do it, so. No, it's my responsibility to do so. And so I need to make sure that it, it is in place. Why? Because God has set up a hierarchy 
in order that my family functions properly. There is a positioning, there is an alignment, there is an order. Not because I'm better or smarter or better looking. Nothing to do with that. It's just because of what God and Jesus, how their relationship is. And so I'm supposed to reflect that. And so I ask, listen, lead, and I do these things habitually so that the will of God reigns in my home. So, men who are husbands, men who will be husbands one day, make sure that we do that. Make sure that we lead and we prepare ourselves now for that so that the kingdom of God is in our home. Next time, we're going to get to the wife. (laughs) And then we're going to get to the children. Why? Because we need to make sure that the kingdom of God reigns. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, that even as husbands, you have given us the commission to lead. But you didn't leave us hanging, God. You let us know in your word that to lead my family means simply to follow you. Follow you in every aspect of my life, God. And so I do. I ask you, God, that you continue to help me to do that, God. God, I, I fall short in so many areas of this message today. I pray, God, that you, I th- first of all, I thank you, God, because your word said you've already given me everything I need to live a life how I'm supposed to. So we thank you for the things you have given me, God. I pray, God, that you would continue to help me with your Holy Spirit, God, that I may get myself into this word, that I may fall on my knees before you, God, that I may lead my family simply by following you so that my home, God, will be a representation of your kingdom, that in my home, your will reigns, God, no matter how hard or difficult it may be, God. We thank you for giving us the tools and the wisdom in your word to do that, God. I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice, God. I pray that you help every family here, God, as we go through this uh, mini-series and the mini-series, God. That you will help us to make sure that we are aligned how you, God, said we should align. Following your example, the example of Christ, God the Son, and God the Father, God. Be with us this week, God. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way. 